Hey everyone, my name is Shannon and welcome to another episode of Casuals Only with Friends. It is now episode, what did I say, seven? Oh, it's seven. seven. Um, you're probably <laughs> wondering, whoa, who's that other person that said seven? Um, it is now my official co-host, Sarah! Yay! It's me! Yay! I'm never leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on as like an official co-host, you know? You've been yeah. on every episode. I think we've decided, yeah. you know, and yeah. it just made sense, you know, it's been yeah. great having you. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have conversations about things we like. Yes. And today's <laughs> episode is, you know, about, um, Heyo Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. So that's really exciting. We said we were going to do this episode like 10 times over. It's about time yeah. that we finally fucking did it. I finally got around to doing my notes. <laughs> Sarah finally did her homework. So now we can do this episode. I finally episode. did my homework. Yes. It's like be average work, but we're <laughs> Hey, be average work is fine. Like they say, right. C's get degrees. But, you know, for those of you listening at home, get straight A's. It's better. It's easier that way. <laughs> Stay up on your on your work, you guys. Um, as Heo Miyazaki would say himself. Um, actually, before we recorded this podcast, before we started recording this podcast, I watched this um, documentary about Miyazaki um, post-retirement, yeah. and I'll get into it later, but it was really interesting. Um, I sent you the name of it, Sarah, um, so I hope you'll yeah. be able to watch it. It's pretty interesting. No, definitely. I just, I ran out of time today. <laughs> oh, but... Don't worry. There's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, speaking of watching things, um, today's episode really centers around animation, so especially Japanese animation, and I was really curious to know um, if there's any anime that you've been watching recently. Um, yeah, so I've been re-watching Naruto. Um, I haven't watched Naruto since I was, like, in middle school, I realized. And I was like, do I even remember what happens? <laughs> and <laughs> so I just decided to start watching it again. Um, my brother is, like, really into Naruto Shabundant and was, like, playing a video game while I was in Portland that, like, centered around Naruto. It was, like, Street Fighter. Yeah, I have Why did you watch a Kakashi? Yeah, I, um, for those of you at home, I have a Kakashi figure. I just wanted to show Sarah because... Hell yeah. Kakashi is daddy. He is daddy. I have a, I have a certain <laughs> thing for certain types of characters in anime I've come to learn. <laughs> I really be exposing myself out here. Um, that's really cool, though. Did you start watching Naruto yeah. from the beginning? Because... Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I actually just started watching Naruto for the first time. I didn't watch yeah? it um, in middle school or growing up. You know, I was more of like okay. an Inuyasha, Teen Titans, Fair enough. Cowboy Bebop on the low. You know, like, yeah. Um, so I didn't watch uh, Naruto because I kind of like associated it in my mind with like Dragon Ball Z at the time, I guess. I don't know. Mm. But now. It kind of fell into that like 
ninja like samurai genre of anime yeah i don't know i guess i can understand that. like shan at the time just wasn't like looking for that kind of content and that's fine i was like super into kingdom hearts at the time which was like you know anime and disney combined in a video game i was like whoa this is crack um, so I didn't get into Naruto, but I did recently. I started watching it from the beginning. I'm only on season four. It's been taking me a really long okay. time. I think it, it's been taking me a really long okay. time. I think I'm on season five or I just finished season five. So like you're not that far behind me. Okay. I, I think we started probably around the same okay. time. Okay, okay. But I will tell you, and I, I do want to do a Naruto episode in the future. Um, yes 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 um but this show caught my heart in a way that i wasn't expecting it to Mm -hmm. um i was really kind of expecting naruto to be a flop i was like i'm gonna hate this (laughs) aren't i and i just did not you know and i've been watching it english dub so i haven't been watching it in japanese and i think I was struggling to watch the show at first because I was watching it subtitled and I just did Mm -hmm. not have the attention span for it. It just wasn't like, it wasn't clicking with me as quickly as like maybe something like Attack on Titan subtitled would be, you know, especially because it's more wordy. Um, Well, season one also is like a little harder to get through because it's just Naruto. You don't really get introduced to the other characters until like towards the end, essentially. Yes, the pacing in that first season is pretty slow that first arc Mm -hmm. takes three seasons to get through Mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy (laughs) to think about because modern anime gets through arcs in like a season or sometimes even half a season so for naruto to take three fucking seasons on this first and they're not short seasons either they're like 30 episode long seasons 100 percent. but it's worth it um i think because you really get into the world building and the character development what really sings and resonates about the show is how you see these kids grow up and how they're you know affected by the environment around them i don't know the core Mm -hmm. team seven is just so great (laughs) i just love them all um and the villains are interesting and cool and man i don't know i i just really loved it i think the finale of that third season i was just a blubbering mess those like last three episodes (laughs) it was intense but yes uh i don't want to get too sidetracked with naruto i could talk about (laughs) it all day (laughs) even though i'm only on season four which is crazy that's how uh powerful the show is i guess i don't know for me they have movies and everything too we just gotta like get on it there's so much content i have to like uh yeah i have to use a filter list that tells me which ones are filler you know, like exclusively yeah. filler. So then I can skip. But some it. of the fillers are like really, really funny. Yeah, like there's and one. It's my first w- time, did you see so. the one with like Kakashi's face when they try and see uh, Kakashi's face? Yes, 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 yes. Like that one's just, it's pure gold. I just remember like <laughs> being obsessed with that episode when I was like 13, 14 years old because it's just. It's great. It's a good show, and I really hope that we can do an episode about it. Um, And we'll definitely have to invite some people because Naruto. There's 
I mean, it's one of the top ten for a reason. Um, it's sold mm-hmm. so many copies of manga. It's so prominent. Um, but speaking of really prominent media, um, important, uh, influential animation, uh, we're talking about Studio Ghibli and uh, its figurehead, uh, Heo Miyazaki. I see here in my episode notes that I spelled his first name completely wrong because I was thinking of another director, so that's kind of embarrassing on my end. <laughs> that's okay. But, um, you know... I'm really excited to talk about this, um, especially because I got into Studio Ghibli a lot later. Uh, So we're going to start with some background information. We're going to start with uh, Miyazaki. He was born on January 5th, 1941. He is a Japanese animator, director, producer, screenwriter, author, and manga artist. He really does it all. Yeah, he wears a lot of hats. Absolutely. It's insane. Um, and he's great at all of it. Um, it's probably because he's a Capricorn. <laughs> he's just like, I got to do it all. Oh, you did. Uh, so Sarah texted me uh, as we were researching for this episode, and she was like, I found his astrological chart. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. <laughs> so glad to see that that information's coming out. I didn't uh, know that yeah. he was a Capricorn, but that that makes sense. He's a Capricorn. That makes sense. Yeah. My mom's birthday is around there, so there you go. Um, We're workaholics. Yeah. Well, he really is a workaholic. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that I definitely gleaned from the documentary that I saw. Um, it's called Never Ending Man. And it's on HBO Max, because HBO Max has that mm-hmm. whole Studio Ghibli section. And it's a pretty intimate uh, portrayal of Miyazaki and kind of his work ethic. Um, but to continue, he uh, was one of three men who co-founded uh, Studio Ghibli. It was founded on June 15th, 1985 by Hayao Miyazaki, I'm so sorry for butchering this, Iseao Takahata and Toshio Suzuki, who was also in the documentary. So I do know who Toshio Suzuki is. And they created this studio after the success of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which I didn't know that Nausicaa wasn't a Ghibli film. So Ghibli has like... um a very vast catalog because they have films that are considered like Ghibli films, but they were either created before Ghibli's time or by a different artist, but they still are put in the same category. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that is that sometimes it depends on whether it's like, if it's the same animators or the same Mm -hmm. director, um, because Hayao Miyazaki is not the only, um, director, obviously, at the studio. It's yeah. a whole collaborative el- effort of talents. Um, mm-hmm. But I was always under the impression that Nausicaa released under Studio Ghibli, but Studio Ghibli had not yet formed. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which came out in 1984, um, was as a result of Topcraft, which was a different animation studio. Uh, fun fact. Six of Studio Ghibli's films are among the ten highest-grossing anime films made in Japan, with Spirited Away from 2001 being the second-highest, grossing over $360 million worldwide. Wow. That's a serious 
accomplishment, especially for animation, for anime, for an animated film. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Sarah, but I feel like there's this underlying theme in Hollywood that animated films um, are for kids, and they'll always be for kids. And, you know, the few that do get some recognition, like Beauty and the Beast, um, or Wally, like they're still reduced to just being kids' films, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting about Studio Ghibli is that I don't think of them as kids' films. Um, I think of them like fairy tales almost. Like they're 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 almost ageless because like yeah. everyone can kind of understand the story and get behind them, and they don't treat kids like child viewers as children they expect you to be mature enough to want to engage with the story which is why i think it resonates with a lot of kids too because it doesn't baby them right yeah um yeah ghibli's pretty special so to think that they've made you know six of the 10 highest grossing anime films of all time um is unsurprising and insanely impressive they dominate over half of the list you know, yeah. so banger after banger after banger. <laughs> um, Do you know which movies those are? Do you have the list in front of you? Um, I have a link, I think. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Actually, maybe I can I can pull that up if you want to keep talking about um, Miyazaki, Miss Co-host. Yeah, sure. Um, so he initially retired back in 2014, which I was unaware of. But that would also explain why Studio Ghibli came out with, like, this weird Pixar-inspired movie. Did you see that? Oh, like, Earwig and the Witch? Yeah. I watched half of it. <laughs> was it, like, really hard to get through? It was through? really hard to watch. I figured we would talk about that later, like, when we talk about okay. which movies we've seen. Um, okay, but... Yeah, that movie was tough. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks tough. Uh, I do have the list here, though. So, number one, this is unsurprising to me. And this was... Okay, so they had six when I initially did the research. But I typed this up before Mugen Train came out. Before Demon Slayer. That's how long we had been planning this episode for. (laughs) And for those of you at home who are familiar with anime, you should already know this. That Demon Slayer Mugen Train is actually the number one selling the number one highest grossing anime film of all time. Um, It recently broke that record. Despite releasing during the pandemic, it really broke a lot of box office records. I think it outperformed Western films in the box office in the United States, like movies that were coming out, like Black Widow and stuff, you know? So really, anime is no joke. People enjoy the medium. Uh, but number yeah. two is Spirited Away, so that's still the same. With mm-hmm. currently, it's currently at $395 million. Jesus, they, so it went up. <laughs> People are still <laughs> buying tickets for that. You know, I don't know about you, but my local movie theater, they'll sell tickets mm-hmm. to see, like, um, you know, Ghibli films on you know, a a theater screen. Yeah. And Studio Ghibli gets, like, a kickback or G-Kids, whatever it is. I don't know if my um, 
movie theater does this, but I remember when I lived in Portland, the museum did like a whole Ghibli theme where you could go and like watch a like a different Studio Ghibli film like each Thursday night or something oh, for like a month. Cool. Yeah, it was really cute. That's really cool. Okay. Well, Spirited Away is number two. Number four is Howl's Moving Castle with uh two hundred and thirty six million. Number five is Ponyo with two hundred and four million. Number eight is Princess Mononoke with 169 million. And number 10 is The Secret World of Arietti at 149 million. So okay. instead of six, there's five. Um, but you know, that's still half of the list. And, yeah. you know, these are films that released back in the 90s. Like Princess Mononoke came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, Spirited Away came out in 2001. So, you know, these are outperforming movies that have come out since then. Since then. You know, which is really impressive that these stories continue to capture people's imagination. So, he, uh, you talked about his retirement, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah he announced his retirement <laughs> in the documentary. I just wanted to mention this because mm-hmm. it's really telling <laughs> of who he is. He's at the press conference and he's like, I know I've said that I would do this before, but I'm serious this time. I'm not doing it. It's I my brain literally hurts when I direct films <laughs> and I'm getting too old. Um, and if I ever feel the need to make a movie again, it's the delusions of an old man and take it as such. And he legit <laughs> just like mic drops on everybody and everybody's oh just kind God. of like stunned. Um but it's uh, he's such an interesting um, director and filmmaker to me, um, and to obviously many people. Um, prior to Ghibli, he fell in love with animation after watching this movie called Panda and the Magic Serpent. Uh, have you ever seen it? No, have you? No, I have not. <laughs> Don't worry, it sounds like a banger. <laughs> um, Panda and the Magic Serpent. But what's important about that, you guys, is that he really loved the film's strong female protagonist. And he has since made it a point to feature strong female heroines in all of his stories, which I think makes him really unique um, in that regard, that all of his films really do center around a, a girl. And you don't really see it that often. Yeah. These female characters. And it's that funny. Up. It's funny because when I was looking at the notes and I was doing my notes, I saw that and I started thinking about it. And like every single movie that I've seen, except for maybe like Ponyo or maybe one or two, always has like the main character is like a female mm-hmm. and she's the mm-hmm. lead protagonist. Or there's always and like a strong woman prominently featured somewhere yeah. you know um like porco rosso for example it's about a talking pig who kills fascists mm-hmm. <laughs> i mm-hmm. fucking love it um but he's the main character he's a dude but he's surrounded by strong women constantly he's in yeah. italy too which i think is very interesting um because you know italian media always likes to portray a strong woman so it's pretty fitting yeah, isn't that... I, I didn't think about it either until I typed it up. And I was like, holy shit. Like, no wonder it resonated with me so much, you know? Yeah. Because it's also cool as a girl to see someone other than, like, a princess in a traditional sense. 
you know, be featured. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with princesses. Is the bleh. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I can't speak But it's, today. it's not like a woman being portrayed as, like, the damsel in distress. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, it's interesting to see, like, these girls dominating other roles in other spaces. You know, because... Mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke, for example, she is, like, the complete opposite of a Disney princess, and she's very interesting and different and nuanced. Not to say that Disney princesses aren't, it's just a different take, and as a girl, you're angsty, you have a lot of feelings and emotions that you really can't quite get out or explain to people, Mm -hmm. because, you know, communication, So when you see an angsty female protagonist, you're like, hell yeah, I can get behind her. And she rides wolves tight. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, but back to Miyazaki. God bless him for watching Panda and the Magic Serpent. Um, because that's really the inspiration <laughs> for that. It's just crazy. Um, he started his career with Toei Animation, and he left in August of 1971 for A-Pro. And when he was at A-Pro, that's when his career really started to take off. Um, have you ever heard of Lupin the Third? You know, it always popped up on Netflix under my recommended, but um, I never watched it. Okay, okay, that's fine. I haven't watched it either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I've seen it like a million times, and I've seen the trailer a million times, but I just... I don't know. It, I, I'm not interested in watching it's it. It's a, um, from what I understand, Lupin the Third's kind of like a crime caper series, and it's uh-huh. adapted from a manga, I believe. Um, it's okay. okay that you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Um, but it's really popular. <laughs> People really liked it. Um, it's so much so that there's even a CGI re-release of the films coming out, and they're making money. Oh, wow. You know, people liked Lupin the Third. Uh, but Miyazaki, while he was at A-Pro, directed and co-directed 23 episodes of Lupin the Third, and then he got into filmmaking, and he did The Castle of Cagliostro, which is a Lupin the Third film, so, you know, an entry mm-hmm. in that series, and then in 1984, he did Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Sarah, yes. have you seen Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind? I used to own Nausicaa of the of Valley of the Wind. Of course you did. This, this movie <laughs> seems so up your alley. Yep. <laughs> it just seems so like something you would enjoy. Yeah. No, it was great. Have you yes. seen it? Yes, I okay, have. Okay, cool. Um, I watched yeah. this last year, I think. I don't know. I watched it when I got um, HBO Max. When HBO Max released because they had the whole Studio Ghibli collection. And at that time, Mm -hmm. um, I was collecting DVDs. You know, I was trying to find DVDs whenever I went to Barnes & Noble. (laughs) You know, I'd be like, oh shit, they have Howl's. They have Spirited Away because I first saw Princess Mononoke. That was my first one. And then I was just like, I need Mm -hmm. to watch everything now. And the easiest way for me to do it while still supporting the studio and the artists and whatever was to go find DVDs. And then I found out that they sold it to HBO. So I was like, okay, cool. I can watch them on HBO. I was collecting the DVDs as well. um, And I just kept losing them or they kept getting scratched and everything. That's like the one downside of DVDs. But um, 
you know, streaming is a lot easier. Yeah, the only thing that sucks about, because, like, I haven't, now that I think about it, I haven't bought one since, and I have, like, Mm -hmm. I have, let's see, I have Princess Mononoke, I have Kiki, I have Howl, I've Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, I think I have five of them, but each of them come with, like, a little mini poster inside of them, which is, like, the Japanese theatrical poster. And I, I thought those were really cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just so much easier to stream them <laughs> online. Yeah. <laughs> just way easier. I'm going to be on. I think I lost, like, half of them, too. Because I remember I had spir- I had Spirited Away. I had Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro, Cat Returns, and, like, one other one. And I, I think towards the end, I only had, like, two or three of them yeah, left. Life because- happens. You move and whatever. Yeah. I hey no judgment here because I first saw Nausicaa on HBO Max and I was like yo this shit is the tits <laughs> like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it but to me it definitely read like a proto Princess Mononoke like his yeah it, like a lot of the same concepts and ideas transferred over and I feel like they matured with princess mononoke that's not to say that nausicaa isn't good i think nausicaa is amazing and it has some incredible scenes of animation um that you can tell must have took so much work yeah but here you really get to see uh, miyazaki's style because his style is very pervasive throughout all of his films right like the creepy yeah. things and sometimes the the unsettling things all kind of have this like weird same quality about them. I think of like those big bugs in Nausicaa that run across the the plains, yeah. the way that they move. They're they're unsettling and kind of weird, but they're yeah. they're they're like the giant warriors. Yeah, it's still like um it's still nature, right? It's like nature can be weird yeah. and creepy, but it shouldn't be like disrespected either. Yeah. He he was very inspired by the uh, mercury poisoning of Minamata Bay. And I think this is mm-hmm. where he really started to develop his environmentalist voice in terms of like his filmmaking and directing. Because I think that he has several films that have a lot to say about the state of the planet and how humans affect it, right? Yeah. I think that's a very strong message in all of his films. But especially in Nausicaa. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it hits you in the face in Nausicaa. Um, especially when she, like, you, you have that scene where she takes the plant out of the jungle and she brings it back and... This man walks in and he's like, what are you doing? Like, everything is poison in here. And she's like, no, it's the water and the soil that's toxic. Mm-hmm. The plants are fine if they have clean soil to use. And it turn- it- it's from human pollution yeah. that these plants release this deadly spores. <coughs> the last of us. <coughs> but, um, you know, uh, it- if anything grows t- in a toxic area it it, nothing can survive and that was the message behind it It is like take care of the planet you live on and yeah i think nausicaa is huge and has huge environmentalism tones i mean it it really does Mm -hmm. slap you over the face with it but i think um i don't think it does it like like uh cheesily like when i say cheesily i think of leonardo dicaprio's like 
climate mm-hmm. crisis movie <laughs> where it's just like you know maybe it's a bit much uh and it's maybe a little self-serving this doesn't feel self-serving at all i think yeah. the themes just play just add so much more depth and complexity to nausicaa's story mm-hmm. and really makes her a compelling heroine a uh, fun fact Miyazaki um, hired a small team from Topcraft Studio to animate it because he believed that they had the artistic talent to carry the the film. Um, Because he, if you're unaware, is very uh, particular about how things are animated in his studio. He has a very specific vision, and he wants it to be executed a certain way, and he felt that they had the chops to do it. Yeah. And it definitely comes across all of his films. You can definitely tell the difference between, like, the different Studio Ghibli films and a Hayao Miyazaki Mm -hmm. film. I think that's really important to note as well. You can definitely tell when Miyazaki has his touch, like, his hand in something, Mm -hmm. on something, because it just oozes with his presence, with his style. Yeah. Um, Fun fact, also, I keep saying fun fact, but I just have so many... (laughs) I'm a huge fan of Neon Genesis Evangelion and the creator Mm -hmm. and director of Ava, Hideki Anno, actually animated on Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which is so cool. (laughs) Um, He he animated like those big giant bugs, you know, in like this one Mm -hmm. particular battle sequence at the end of the film, which supposedly was so arduous and painstakingly difficult to complete. Um, because those movies um, have so much detail, like the the yeah. everything has so much detail to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, I Nausicaa's success is what led to the formation of Studio Ghibli, and for that, I have to say thank you to Nausicaa for being so successful, and it really does hold up as one of the greats um, when you look yeah. at Studio Ghibli's catalog. You know, mm-hmm. she's worth I it. Agree. <laughs> she's worth she it. She is worth it. She is worth it. All right, it's what she deserves. It's what she deserves. Yeah, um, but I wanted to touch on um, how Nausicaa. We we talked about how that um, has a message for like it has an environmental message, and. I just wanted to put in that, like, a lot of, if you look at the catalog, you will see that a lot of the different movies have a lot of meaningful messages. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we, like, um, Secret World of Ariadne, of, not Ariadne, of Arietti. Am I saying that right? Ariadne. Ariadne. I, Ariadne. I just Something. remember it from Disney Channel. Ariadne. <laughs> Yeah, but that kind of, like, tells you, it it teaches you not to take more than what you need, you know, being, be considerate of, like, everything, everybody's life is important to them type of situation. Sorry, the cast are going crazy (laughs) in the background. Um, Same thing with Princess Mononoke, uh, Castle in the Sky was um, roughly based on, what was it that you had in the notes? Yeah, so let's get into it. I mean, Studio Ghibli is now formed, right? Boom. Yeah, uh, we love it. Obviously, we feel really passionate about it. Castle in the Sky was inspired by Greek architecture. I think it's pretty prevalent throughout the style of the film, um, mm-hmm. and it was inspired like the little town that you start out in before you get to the mm-hmm. fantastical Lupita, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was inspired by a, Mel- a Welsh mining town that was on strike. Which, you know, not an environmentalist theme, but, you know, an interesting uh, perspective to consider that in a children's film, he decides to highlight how this town is really willing to go against the government to protect these kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really fun. Um, It makes for some really lighthearted moments when they're like, yeah, fuck you. (laughs) Get out of here. Leave that kid alone. Because, like, the whole movie is about... Um, the government's trying to find this girl because she has some magical connection to the old town of Lupita, which no one knows yet, but it's important. And she finds, she stumbles upon this, like, young boy in this mining town, and they develop this really great friendship, and the government's like, no, we need her, you can't keep her, and we're gonna fuck you up if you don't hand her over. So the kids are like, we gotta run, because this is not cool, they want to abuse yeah. my power because she starts to realize she has powers, whatever. And the mm-hmm. townspeople are like, go, go, run, hide. Um, <laughs> is Castle in the Don't Sky... Don't they run into, like, Sky Pirates? Yeah, is, is Castle in the Sky the same one with the old lady with her brood of children that she <laughs> basically... She has a gang of children, like Smurf from Animal Kingdom, <laughs> that she uses so. to terrorize the skies. <laughs> she's a great character she gives no fucks no she is um castle in the sky really does have a lot going on in it it's crazy but it's yeah. such a fun it's such a fun story good good time the ending gets crazy it, it's definitely one of the more light-hearted ones uh comparative to like princess mononoke or um even what was when uh Mernie was there yeah I think it definitely leans into some more lighthearted moments. Mm-hmm. There are still some parts that I was like, holy shit, this is a kid's movie? Like, um, Mark Hamill plays the villain. And when I, mm-hmm. when I was watching this movie, I immediately knew it was Mark Hamill. Because I can just spot Mark Hamill's voice from, like, you know, afar. Uh, and I was like, that has to be him. He's the villain. And I love when he plays villains because he goes balls to the wall. And he plays this like smarmy, like, um, government agent who wants to take the power of Lupita or whatever for himself. And he just Mm -hmm. plays it so well. So, so well. Um, which is something that I want to say about the Studio Ghibli films. The American English releases are mm-hmm. always, for the most part, well acted. I think that yeah. they did a good job. I watched it in English, personally. I feel what helps is that they hire a lot of um, well-known actors and actresses as well. Yes. Like. Chihiro in Spirited Away is voiced by the same girl who did Lilo and Stitch. My Neighbor Totoro is done by Dakota Fanning yes. and Elf Fanning. Uh, the Cat Returns was done by Anne Hathaway. Like, there, there's a lot of well-known names, and I think it helps when you you have someone who's done animation before as well as done like acting mm-hmm. before and is able to portray that character in a different language. Yeah. I think it's also really helpful that Disney also had a hand in the Mm -hmm. American releases of these films, although Disney did not own them. 
Um, they were responsible for like releasing them and um, having them dubbed over. So Disney had the budget mm-hmm. to get these good actors, and they, for the most part, I'm not gonna say that every English one is good, and, I, mm-hmm. and we, I'll tell you which ones aren't. But um, for the most part, whoever was directing the voice actors really um, helped them out. Because if you don't have a good yeah. coach in the studio with the voice actor or the actor, it doesn't matter how good they are. If they don't know how the scene is supposed to read, it's going to look awkward dubbed over. Yeah. Yeah, That's that was their first film, Castle in the Sky. Great. Their second film was My Neighbor Totoro, which came out in 1988. Yeah, that was, that's one of my favorite movies. Do you remember I had a My Neighbor Totoro onesie that I wore yeah, literally all the fucking time? Yeah, you did. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Because I hadn't seen it at the time. Yeah, My Neighbor Totoro released in 1988. Like you mentioned, it stars sisters... L and Dakota Fanning, which is pretty cute mm-hmm. because it, it, the mm-hmm. story is about. Uh, I'll let you explain it, Sarah. You're the fan. So the story is about two young girls who move to this new town with their father because their mother is in the hospital, and I guess they have to be closer to the hospital. Um, and they soon discover that the house has spirits and that the forest has spirits, and. Um, one day, the youngest sister goes into the forest and she finds the sport spirit, uh, the forest spirit Totoro, and she becomes friends with him. And he, they, they it's, it's just, just cute. It's a it's very cute, cute light hearted story. Yeah. It's made fun of across adult <laughs> cartooning. Like South Park's done a spoof on it, Bob's Burgers done a spoof on it, but it, it's, it's one of the cutest, yeah, it's, Studio Ghibli films, I think. I, I think, and, I think this is where my having been introduced to Studio Ghibli later kind of fails for me a little bit Mm -hmm. because I was so fucking excited to watch this movie when I (laughs) bought it. I was like, I'm so fucking ready. I've seen the forest spirit. He's so cute. This is going to be amazing. And then I watched it and I was like, huh, it's just Japanese Winnie the Pooh. That's kind mm-hmm. of how I felt about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, this is just Japanese Winnie the Pooh, and there's not much that happens in the movie plot-wise. It's just them doing cute shit the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And then, you know, like, the whole mom stuff and the moving dynamic, which I found, I found those instances to be the more interesting parts of the film. For me, personally. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I'm older now. You know, I'm 20 fucking six years old. I think I've outgrown Winnie the Pooh a little little bit. And I think I was just disappointed because this was the fifth Ghibli film that I had seen in that order. Like, this is one of the later ones that I had seen. And I knew that Ghibli wasn't necessarily always cutesy whatever, you know? cutesy family fun film but you know what like Mm -hmm. i really liked it i would love to watch this movie you know with my future children um i think it's super sweet and yeah i think that's the best way to describe it it's just super sweet it's really sweet it is very sweet and it's visually stunning the cat bus 
is iconic. It's terrifying. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I saw that thing and I was like, what the fuck? Because I'm not gonna lie to you. I had a beer and I had smoked a smoke and I was ready to watch <laughs> some Studio Ghibli. So when this cat bus just appears on your screen, it's a lot. <laughs> but it um, is a lot. it's so cool. It's so just visually interesting and i think that's what it, yeah i think that's what's cool about ghibli is that it's very imaginative they're not afraid to show you something that's weird and out there like maybe a little bit terrifying like no face all right mm-hmm. but they they expect you as the audience to like uh to take it as is like um there's more to it like, right, you know, like, yeah. please get into it, you know, like, it's weird, and it's different, but it's cool, and that's how I felt about the cat bus. <laughs> um, well, you said that, that My Neighbor Totoro was probably, you were too old for it in some ways. Mm-hmm. Have you heard, it's not a Studio Ghibli film, but it falls into, the, like I said, it falls into the Studio Ghibli catalog. It's called um, Grave of the Fireflies. <sighs> Yes, I have. Okay. And my Piscean okay. heart just breaks. <laughs> I'm such an emotional person. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you know me, you know that I will cry watching movies. I will cry in public watching movies. I don't care. Like, if I can't hold it, I can't hold it. I really get emotionally invested in films. And Grave of the Fireflies, I've only seen that movie twice. And I regret watching mm-hmm. it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> second time felt even worse it's because yeah, no. it's, it's it's heartbreaking yeah, do you want to touch on um, that like let, let the people at yeah. home know so grave of the fireflies is a movie about two siblings living in the time of war of 1945 during the firebombing of kobe um and it's loosely based on the true story and it's based off of the person who wrote it um, it came back. It came out around like 1967, but it. I don't think it was released to America until like the 2000s, or it wasn't voiced, like dubbed, until the 2000s. But it it talks about just like hu- human tragedy, where you have people dying in the streets they're there one day and they're not the next and people becoming homeless and uh, malnutrition and it it shows what these people had to go through through the lens of like an animated kids film basically it's rated pg-13 but it's is a cartoon yeah grave of the fireflies is an interesting case for me because it's it takes place during World War II, and if you're not familiar with history, we weren't Japan's friends uh, during World yeah, War II. we weren't their favorite. Uh, for multiple reasons, and, mm-hmm. you know, we did some pretty fucked up things to them prior to even, you know, bombing Hiroshima Pearl and Harbor. Nagasaki. No, the, <laughs> the H-bombs. Prior to oh, even, I, th- I thought you meant like prior. No, to- no, no, no. Prior to wow. the nuclear bombs being dropped on two of their major cities, 
Um, yeah. The U- the United States participated in extensive fire bombings, which is what this story decides to focus on. And mm-hmm. I remember reading about this movie and about the director, and he said he really wanted to animate this and bring it to screen because he felt like in the discussion sometimes about the Japanese during World War II, we forget that there is a human cost to war. There's a human Mm -hmm. toll. And it's very important that this film takes place through the lens of two innocent children because Mm -hmm. they have nothing to do with the war, you know? So you can't put any political bias on these children or say, like, oh, they deserved it, you know? Which would be... They're just experiencing it. They're just experiencing, exactly, the ramifications of war, you know? And and for a lot of Japanese people... It was a very harsh reminder that war can come to their shores because they were perpetuating a lot of crimes throughout the world. And at home, they weren't really talking about it that much. And then when it came to their shores, when the fight came to them, you really get to see this horrible cost of war. And unfortunately, that's what plays out in Grave of the Fireflies. Famine it was one of the leading causes of death in Japan at the time because they couldn't eat. They're an island. They were mm-hmm. cut off from a lot, which is why ramen is a thing. Uh, ramen was created so that they could feed the masses because they were running yeah. out of rations. They were running out of food. Um, and kids were dying, you know, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what happens. The, the kids lose their mom from she gets covered in burns bro like the the movie is so dark it's just not fun it is very dark it's not fun and i remember watching it the first time crying my eyes out and then i mentioned it to my partner because i was like oh have you seen this movie like not every ghibli film is like you have to see this if you're into like really serious stories and he watched Mm -hmm. it And we finished it in silence. Like, I was crying in silence, and he was just completely silent the whole time. The movie ends, he grabs the remote, he turns off the TV, and he got up. Like, it was, it was just... It's a, it's a heavy story. Yeah, you have to ruminate with it for a little bit. It's just not fun. It's worth watching. It's worth watching Mm -hmm. in the way that, um... The Diary of Anne Frank is worth watching, (laughs) right? Like, you know what happens, and it's not a fun experience, but it's an important one to reflect upon and to, you know, have compassion and empathy, I think, was the main takeaway. Like, this little boy with his sister was like, his aunt was treating him like shit, remember? She resented him for having to feed him. You know, yeah. like, ugh, I can't. That movie was a lot. And these people <laughs> these people aren't eating anything that's, like, outrageous. They're eating rice. And she was like, I, I have, there's two more bowls of rice that I have to give to two more mouths. Yeah, it's Like, tough. these people, these people were really, like, they didn't have anything. It's not a fun movie. It's yeah. not a fun watch. But it's, uh, if you enjoy the medium, if you enjoy Japanese animation, I think it's a good one to watch. Um, yeah. 
because it's a it's a very it, and it's based on a true story like it's, it's it's a good it's a it's worth watching if you like anime if you want to have a good cry or if you just want to you know <laughs> feel miserable that day, uh, that's for you uh, but yeah it's one of those movies that oftentimes gets called a ghibli film but it wasn't it was created mm-hmm. um and animated by people who had worked at ghibli yeah. So it's kind of weird, but, you know, w- for the sake of this conversation, I'm fine with including it. Because it really does have a Ghibli art style to it, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, their third film was Kiki's Delivery Service in 1989. So a year after My Neighbor Totoro, they came out with Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, Kiki's Delivery Service, I have seen, and I watched the Kristen, Kirsten Dunst one, where she does the voice. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I think it's so cute. I, it is it's very cute. It's cute, but it, and I liked it more than My Neighbor Totoro, just because there's a more fleshed out story there. Like, there's more of a mm-hmm. plot going on, and, yeah. um, Kiki's just so fun. It's a fun, cute movie. Yeah. I liked it. I'm about it. I'm all about witches. And she Me too. rides a broomstick. I think that's why I loved it so much. Was it, it, like, tapped into the green witch in me. And I was like, oh, she flies around on a broom. And she plays with herbs. And she she lives on top of a bakery. A and she has a black cat. <laughs> yeah. She's just, she's, it's just awesome. And she really works hard. She, she doesn't yeah. complain. She just kind of, she works and she does her thing. And she hustles. And we love a hustler. Yeah, but she also has, like, normal interactions of, like, a young 13-year-old girl where she's, like, trying to make friends and, like, she has a boy that she likes mm-hmm. and she does, she gets homesick and everything. It's a, it's a cute movie. I like that one a lot. I love it. Two years after Kiki's, they released Only Yesterday in 1991. Have you seen that? I Only yesterday. Don't think I, have. I haven't. I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm gonna look up a really brief um, plot summary just because I'm vaguely curious. Um, Only yesterday. This one was directed by Isao Takahata, um, who was one of the three co-founders. That's also probably kind of important to see huh (laughs) like who directed what (laughs) because i forget that like all three of them are like really creative geniuses um actually takahata was actually the one who did grave of the fireflies by the way yeah so i didn't i did not know that (laughs) but let's see so i think that's why it like you said it's not a studio ghibli film but it's considered um because of the same style and the same director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki, and Castle, all three were directed by Miyazaki. And Grave of the Fireflies was directed by Takahata. That's so funny. So then Only Yesterday was directed by Takahata, released in 1991. And let's see what it's about. Uh, it looks like a slice of life kind of thing (laughs) so it's about a 27 year old woman who's unmarried she's lived her whole life in tokyo and she now works at a company there she decides to take another trip to visit the family of her elder sister-in-laws in in the rural countryside so she can help 
with, you know, this harvest and get away from her city life. And then while she's traveling at night to get to Yamagata, she begins to recall memories of herself as a schoolgirl in 1966. Okay, so here we go. Only yesterday. It's her reminiscing on her childhood. Um, basically okay. reminiscing on um, her childhood self while also simultaneously wrestling with adult issues of her career and love juxtaposed with her nostalgia and longing for her childhood self. Um, the trip dredges up forgotten memories, not all of them good ones, and even brings up the first stirrings of childish romance, puberty, and growing up. It really is like a, a slice of life, um, coming of age story. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I should probably watch this then. I feel like this might be one of those films that I could probably get behind, especially if it comes from Takahata. He seems to have more of a mature take when it comes to the projects that he uh, creates. creates. Yeah, and the English version has Daisy Ridley, Dev Patel, and Laura Bailey. Holy okay. shit. Okay. Easy. It's a pretty stunner. Uh, stellar cast. Dev Patel? Are you kidding me? Oh, mm -hmm. God. That's the leading man <laughs> from my heart. I, I'd be really curious to see how he does as a voice actor. Huh. I want to check that out now. It seems, it seems good. It's 118 minutes long. Only yesterday. Now, in 1992, Studio Ghibli then releases Porco Rosso. Have you seen Porco Rosso? I have not. Porco Rosso is so good. I, is I, it? I enjoy it. I think the first time you watch it, maybe like in the first 30 minutes, you'll be like, this is fucking weird. Because you really have to accept the fact that the main character is just a pig man. <laughs> I think there's like this implication that he was turned into a pig and, you know, he kind of, through magic, you know. Um, okay. But since he's living his life as a pig, he's like, fuck it. I'm just gonna, you know, live my life as a fucking bounty hunter and chase down air pirates because fuck them. And I'm also gonna fight fascists while I'm at it. <laughs> so it's really, it's really cool. Um, it's definitely Miyazaki. Again, it just oozes with style. And even though okay. Porco Rosso is the main character, voiced by Michael Keaton, by the way. Yes! Really now? By Batman! <laughs> it's so good, I'm telling you. I was like, I'm not going to watch this movie. It looks fucking weird. I really didn't think I would get behind it. And then I started watching it, and I was like, it's just so charming. Mm-hmm. I think Studio Ghibli and maybe Miyazaki have a fascination with um, aviation because Castle in the Sky had a lot of like airplanes and really cool sky sequences. Howl even has sky sequences. Too, yeah. You know what I mean? And this yeah, also yeah, yeah. leans into that um, because he is a, a pilot. Um, it's, it's really cool. He has a hot... Uh, leading lady with him um, and I, I'm just it's a great fucking movie um, I think it's really fun um, I think it's beautiful because it takes place in Italy 
Um, so a lot of the scenery is just really beautiful. Imagine Italy, but in, you know, Studio Ghibli style. It's just, it's just, it just looks great. Magical. Yeah, it, it looks great. It's, uh, it's a funny premise, but it really works. It's just a great film. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. I thought it was fun. I think maybe I would say as much as I enjoy Michael Keaton, you'll either like his performance or you'll fucking hate it. He plays Porco Rosso very deadpan and matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So if you're not into that kind of line delivery, it may not be you maybe try the Japanese with subtitles. But I liked it. I didn't I wasn't bothered by it. Um and I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll I'll give it a chance. Yeah, this whole this whole cast list is just fucking stellar when I look <laughs> at it. I mean, you know what's his name from fucking um Princess Bride? Um he's in it. Oh. He's okay. one of the characters in it. Susan Egan, who plays um, Meg from Hercules. And mm-hmm. she's also in she's Spirited also Away. She's also in Spirited Away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, guys. We'll get there. We're getting to Spirited Away. <laughs> uh, there's Palm Poco in 1994. Um, I believe that this is the one with... Um, God, the raccoons? And if or have you seen like the really weird images of the fucking raccoons that use their ball sacks as parachutes? Yes. No. This is this. You haven't seen that on TikTok, dude. It went viral. No. It was like, <laughs> where the fuck is this from? And I was like, oh shit, it's Pompoco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I have not seen that. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, yeah, you check it out. Why not? It's an allegory. It's a, another environmentalist uh, base, like environmentalism. I can't speak English today, you guys. I'm sorry. Um, it's huge on this environmental allegory in Japanese folklore, tanuki, which are the raccoons or raccoon dogs in the thing Mm -hmm. uh the tanuki are considered to be magical creatures in their culture and they're capable of shape-shifting into people and other objects like they're mischievous fun loving like they're really wild so you know (laughs) it makes me laugh that this out of context scene goes viral because it's just (laughs) <laughs> the phrase pompoco in the title apparently refers to the sound of the tanuki uh drumming on their bellies isn't that so cute oh that's that so, so cute? cute it's just it's just it's just you have to take it for what it is in that i i'm a huge believer in that like cross-cultural things like sometimes things don't translate over cultural Mm -hmm. boundaries you know so like this is their folklore like this is their you know this is what their kids learn and whatever i don't think it's ball sacks i think it's just it looks like ball sacks (laughs) you know but it's just really hard not to get the image out of your mind but once you get past that it's just really a it's a fun tale 
again, that really has to do with encroachment of habitats, destroying, mm-hmm. deforestation. It's a huge prevalent message throughout the film. So again, I think it's fun. Why not go watch it? Like J.K. Simmons is in it. <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson himself. Like there's all sorts. John DiMaggio. Like it's a good cast. And it's a bunch of raccoons doing raccoon shit. Why not? Uh, number seven is Whispers of the Heart, which came out in 1995. Woo woo! Born in 95. Um, Same. Whisper of the Heart. Have you seen this? I have not. Mm-hmm. You have? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I have seen Please this. Please tell us. So, so this one is about... Um, this, this one ties in with The Cat Returns. So, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, she is moving or is graduating or something's happening where, like, someone's moving or leaving. And she becomes friends with this uh, shop owner who owns, like, an antique shop. And she, like, he, like, tells her the story of the cat and um, she starts writing stories about the cat i think and she starts writing either a play or a book or something it i i'm all over the place <laughs> with this right now because i can't for the life of me remember like the exact plot but uh <laughs> but, <laughs> okay that's fine um this is this is like the prequel to the cat returns uh, well then that explains why it's called the cat returns <laughs> I've always wondered yeah. why it was called that. I was like, the cat returns. What the fuck? <laughs> Spoilers, I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to see on Wikipedia if I could find like a good plot summary. A better synopsis than what I gave because that was horrendous. <laughs> plot summary, whisper of the heart. What a cute name. Okay, so this is what I have for a film synopsis. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Based on the manga with the same title, this animated film follows Shizuku, an inquisitive young girl and a voracious reader who longs to be a writer when she grows up. Hey, you got that right. Okay. One day, she notices that all of her library ducks, all of her ducks, <laughs> all of her library <laughs> books have been <laughs> taken out one by one by Seiji Amasawa. Okay. Okay, so someone steals her shit? That's rude. Oh, no, no, no. She goes to the library and she she gets the same books. And she's realizing that somebody is t- checking out the same books as her. Oh, like, right before she goes to get okay, them. Okay, that's not how I read that then. I thought, like... Yeah. You remember, like... Okay, so you remember in library... Like, in the library in elementary school where you would have this little card and they'd stamp it and you'd sign mm-hmm. it to make sure, like... That's basically what she's noticing. Uh, she's looking at that and, and she she's going, oh, name. who is this person? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so she sees the person's name. It's Amasawa. Amid chasing after a large cat, befriending an eccentric antiques dealer, and writing her first novel, Shizuku aims to find this mysterious boy who may well be her soulmate. Interesting. Mm. Okay. So I got most of the points, just not in order or very clearly <laughs> how fun um on google alone it's got an audience rating of 4.9 out of 5 stars and it's got a 94 percent on rotten tomatoes so 
people seem to enjoy it. I should watch that. <laughs> yeah. I have so many on here that I need to see because there's so many films in their catalog. It's mm-hmm. insane. After Whisper of the Heart came Princess Mononoke in 1997. And this was my first Studio Ghibli film. Okay. Yeah, I was really late to the party. My partner was like... Tell us about my it. My partner was like, you've never seen this movie? And I was like, no, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've never seen any Studio Ghibli movie film. <gasps> I was like <laughs> low-key ashamed of it. I really... But here's the thing. You're going to laugh at me, but this is no bullshit. Okay. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was reading like this, um, you know, like um, maybe like, a, you know, those entertainment magazines um yeah like the hollywood reporter or whatever there was a huge Mm -hmm. cover story about spirited away i was six years old Mm -hmm. okay like five or six years old and i'm reading this magazine and i was like oh my god i want to watch this i want to know what this is and like i fantasized about watching this movie and i went to show it to my dad my father my real father and he just was like Mm -hmm. no fucking way you're not watching that (laughs) and so i was like (laughs) okay, I guess I'm never going to watch it then. And I just never watched it because I never had the opportunity to kind of, like, go back and watch it or find... At the time, like, okay, young kids, Gen Zers, like, you couldn't just find movies that easily. You had to pirate them, torrent them, if you really wanted something specific. And this was one of those things that was, like, you either have a copy of it from when it, from its, like, limited release, you know, stateside, or you just didn't. And I didn't. Yeah. So I never really had the opportunity to watch it or any of these films um, until, like, 2019 when... So it's funny that you brought up that memory because I, I remember the first time that I saw Spirit in the uh-huh. Way. Um, I remember... <laughs> Um, not wanting to see it. <laughs> I remember wanting to see What a Girl Wants. It was either What a Girl Wants or the Lizzie McGuire movie. And I was very, very upset that my mom wouldn't let me see it. She's like, no, we're going to go see Spirited Away. <laughs> and we went to go see Spirited Away. And I was obsessed. I just like ever since I've seen it uh, in theaters when it first was released, I think I've, I've watched it at least once, at least once a year. It's a great movie. Yeah, I I didn't watch it until, like, way late. Because I didn't watch Princess Mononoke until, like, 2019. Because my partner was like, listen, I'm not into all of the Ghibli films. And he's like, but this one really fucking slaps. And I was like, yeah, bullshit, I'm calling Cap. And he put it on. (laughs) And, yeah, I, I cried a lot Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i i one of the things that sticks with me about princess mononoke about princess mononoke other than you know the beautiful imagery is really the music uh the sweeping orchestral scores like when you know ashitaka's in these open fields or you know the the music really lends itself to the film and it's just so beautiful I, I the whole thing fired for me on all cylinders i was like this is lightning in a bottle i need to capture this feeling 20 times over if there's more of yeah. it you know because i'm the type of person that's like if i find a director that i really like um also like satoshi kon i think of when i think of miyazaki 
um, because they're two Japanese anime directors that I feel have very unique styles, and they really, really love the medium. And you can tell in a great film, like whether it be Princess Mononoke or Spirited Away or whatever the film is that you saw, there is one Ghibli film that you will always like remember as the one, you know, because they're so special. Um, At least for me, like it was such a special experience because I was like, wow, like this was so much more than I ever thought it was going to be. And it's so much more mature than I ever thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I was in love with Lady Eboshi. Holy shit. Yes. And I was like, she's just doing what she got to do. She is a saint taking in everyone, giving them jobs. But at the same time, she's polluting and, and destroying the environment. And what I loved yeah. about it was that he didn't paint anyone as right or wrong. It was just like, l- look, <laughs> look at what's <laughs> happening as a result and what, what, what matters at the end, right? Like, it doesn't matter that we preserve the environment and keep it going, right? Or like, do we help yeah. humanity? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of different themes that play in Princess Mononoke. I think San... Is a really cool heroine. Um, she wasn't my, personally, she wasn't my favorite part of the film. It was Lady Eboshi. And I think that's because I'm older. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. This woman took prostitutes and told them, you don't have to do that. Let me give you autonomy. Oh, that guy's a leper? He's going to be someone important. You know, like, she built a yeah. society for herself. Of misfits and people yes, who were out that all help each other and there's something yeah. admirable about that for me but then uh, the tragedy in it being that she's also contributing to the destruction of the environment which made me think about my place as a consumer in in the cog of the machine so to speak you know like about my own carbon yeah. footprint like i may think that i'm doing all these right things and whatever but at what cost yeah she was really cool. <laughs> San was cool too. Um, I loved Ashitaka, but I love oh yeah. I love Billy Crudup, who is the voice actor for him in the English version. Yeah, he also plays Doctor Manhattan in Watchmen, and he's in Stanford Prison Experiment. I really like Billy Crudup. <laughs> okay, and uh, he played Ashitaka, and I was like, this is everything i needed and more um this is fantastic i i'm a sucker for princes who do shit (laughs) so i think we all are like no i i like i was obsessed with prince philip in like disney because he actually Mm -hmm. like took a stand against maleficent whatever people always say oh the non-consensual kiss whatever what the fuck all right the guy literally went through fire and flame to save his entire fucking kingdom and the woman he loves mm-hmm. from a an evil dragon sorceress bitch <laughs> okay yeah leave my mans alone and ashitaka here he just he he really is a pov character you know 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't really... I don't... I personally don't think he has a lot of character growth. I think the character growth comes from Sun and from mm-hmm. Lady Eboshi and the... I agree The old that. man. I think Ashitaka's That's a there, fair statement. Ashitaka's just there to give... Cre- like, to, to, to tell the tale, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, let me tell you about this fucking wolf girl that I met. <laughs> the craziness <laughs> that ensued. And the wolves talk, which is even crazier. Oh my god. They have full-blown conversations. Yes! Um, I will say, before we move on, the forest spirit, the forest god is... Oh, the little tree spirit? Oh, or like the forest god. No, the god. forest god. But the little, the little spirits are adorable. The little... They like shape. Right. They, they sound like... They sound mm-hmm. like rattlers. I don't know. They're so cute. They sound like yes, maracas. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think they're so cute. They're creepy. They they're are creepy, cute. but they're really yeah. cute. But no, the forest god himself, like the the big stag human face thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing is like this. The thing that kind of looks like a Wendigo. Yeah, that thing is the stuff of nightmares, bro. <laughs> I was like hella drunk when I was at this point in the movie because I'm sobbing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my uh-huh. god, this is amazing. Like just drinking soju. And this <laughs> crazy creature comes on the screen. And I was like, that is terrifying. That is nightmare fuel. But I think that really goes to say, like, Studio Ghibli does not give a shit if it's going to scare your kids, if it serves to the story or for the purpose of the narrative. Like, they don't give a shit, you know? Yeah, and that's what makes their movies so great, is that they they don't care if you're going to get scared or if you're going to get creeped out or anything. It's like, this is how we're gonna tell our tori- yeah, story like, this is how we're gonna tell our they're tale. so unabashedly like themselves in their style and like the characters that they bring to life you know it's very easy mm-hmm. to tell like when you're watching a studio ghibli film my neighbors the yamadas came out in 1999 i haven't seen it have you neither have i i think i maybe tried to and i was like this is God yeah awful. this is one of the ones that you don't really hear too too much about it's really experimental in its art style mm-hmm. as well. Um, I say watch it if you're like one it's of... It's very minimalistic. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the art style, especially knowing what Studio Ghibli can produce. It just... It's not my cup of tea. But the story, apparently, from people who have seen it is like really profound and it resonates with you. Just not my cup of tea. Now, this is when we start to get to my cup of tea. After Princess Mononoke, <laughs> right? We get spirited away. Mm-hmm. And it was so yes. hard. It's so... When people are like, oh, what's your favorite What's your favorite Ghibli film? It's so hard for me to choose between Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away. Because Princess Mononoke was the lightning in a bottle that, like, <gasps> I need to get this feeling again. And Spirited Away was like, I'm going to give you that feeling again. And, like, I, I guess also, like, I felt really happy when I watched it because I was finally fulfilling something that I had wanted to do since I was a child, you know, so it's, like... I love that for you. Because I didn't watch it until I had it on DVD. I was, like, I'm not watching this on fucking HBO Max. Like, I want to watch this. And, like, I... I loved it. I was obsessed with it. Uh, The easiest comparison that I can make is Alice in Wonderland-esque, you know, like this girl that That, falls into this, like, different reality with these different rules, and 
everything's so fantastical and like uh, scary even at times. It feels like a modern Alice in Wonderland, but like a bajillion times better. Like a million yeah. times better than like it's like what Alice in Wonderland should have been. Because there's mm-hmm. there's true like growth and like she's a true heroine, Chihiro. You know, um mm-hmm. Haku <gasps> His voice actor, okay, let me say, the voice actor for Haku has stolen my heart time and time again throughout my childhood. Like, he played Kovu in Lion King 2, alright? Like, yeah, I don't need to say more about that. <laughs> um, but he plays Haku, uh, and I love Haku. I love Haku so much. Haku's great. I just love I the love, whole thing. Um, the whole thing was great. I love Ibaba. I know that is that the she's witch? like the witch the, and with like the big ass yeah, head. she's like yes, <laughs> and with the baby, oh God, the big ass yeah. fucking baby. But I love Ibaba because she she's a businesswoman. I love her sister as well. Yeah, <laughs> she runs her yeah, bathhouse. She, she runs her bathhouse. She takes care of her customers. She gives her employees a place to live. She feeds them, and she you know. It's understandable that she didn't like um, Chihiro or her parents because they came and they stole from her mm-hmm. and they they weren't supposed to be there. But she she did spare Chihiro, but took her name as payment. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I think Spirited Away is so unique. It's such a different mm-hmm. experience. I thought I was going to hate No Face. I was like, what the fuck is this thing? It's creepy. Get it away. And then he gets big and gross and scary. And then you really kind of like, you see the lesson of the film, right? Like that there's more than what meets the eye. Like how that big gross thing that first comes into the bathhouse is actually like the river spirit. And the only person Mm -hmm. willing to go past the initial layer of grossness or disgust is Chihiro. Like she's she's down. Yeah. She's she reminds me so much of like Belle in that respect. Like she feels a lot like Belle yeah. in Beast Castle. Yeah. Where she's like Like don't don't judge a book by yeah, its cover. Type and she's of. also just like making her way. She's like, I gotta pay my debt. I gotta save my family. You know what I mean? And she's a young girl that mm-hmm. takes on this like huge responsibility and she does it so well. It's like inspiring and admirable even as like an older person like that's i think that's why we love going back into old animated films or into fairy tales because sometimes like you need that motivation in your life right like to be like you you can keep going i think what helps chihiro be so relatable too is that she shows like human emotion like she gets frustrated and she cries and she panics and she she um doesn't do well immediately and like she isn't well liked at mm-hmm. first and i feel like a lot of people can relate to that yeah. i i think it's great i mm-hmm. this movie is i think the only one other than howl's moving castle that uh mm-hmm. was nominated for academy awards and yeah spirited away actually won the best yeah. picture award for animated films that year was it animated films or was it like best picture period i think it was best picture period because it it did extremely well when it came out 
Uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the 75th Academy. Okay. Yeah, because they, they then created the the category, like, you know, prior to the release of Spirited Away. But I feel like that's why it's, like, so shitty that they kind of relegate it to this category. Because, like, mm-hmm. it could also be the best picture of the year. It's not just an animated film that's great. Like, it is a great film, period. It's got beautiful mm-hmm. cinematography the direction is incredible the um a fantastic uh the music soundtrack. the scoring yeah. is yeah. incredible the scoring is beautiful um it really is a film that fires on all cylinders and like it just does not it it holds up so well um it does not read like a little kid movie but it it's like fantastical enough for kids to be like super on board with it and again like i'm just so impressed by the studio's ability to not hold children's hands despite marketing Mm -hmm. themselves towards children and i love Mm -hmm. that respect that they treat their audience with because it really shows in the films like hey we're not gonna baby you or feed you plot information you know in really ham-fisted ways like no, you're you enjoy a story for what it is, and I think that's what makes it like classic, timeless, really. Spirited Away is just yeah. timeless. You could put it on whenever. It's just and it, it's it doesn't it doesn't date itself. I think the only thing that dates it is the the car that the parents drive in the beginning, which is so obviously an Audi. But if you if yeah. you don't know that it's an Audi, you wouldn't know when this movie takes place because that's not what's relevant. You know, it's so irrelevant Mm -hmm. honestly um it's just timeless it's just suspended it's just there i loved it and and you did too (laughs) i'm you're probably like thanks mom for taking me yeah i didn't get to go (laughs) and i feel like um you know from a child's perspective how was it for you like when you saw it the first time because you have a different relationship with it than i do yeah so this was either my first uh, Studio Ghibli film, it was either that or Kiki's Delivery Service. And this movie was just so magical. And I remember just, like, not wanting it to, to end and just being so obsessed with the colors and the characters and the, the plot line and everything and being so happy when I got it as a present uh, for my birthday. Um but this this definitely holds a very special place in my heart. It was one of my first like introductions into the Japanese Japanese animation culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh it's amazing the records that that film broke alone. Um until Demon Slayer came out this past year, it was number 1 since its release, you know? Yeah. It's insane. Uh it still resonates with a lot of audiences worldwide. It's a testament to their ability as storytellers, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. A year later, they came out with The Cat Returns. Haha. <laughs> Another great one. <laughs> you said that's the one with um, Anne Hathaway, correct? Yes. Yes, Anne Hathaway plays the, uh, plays the female protagonist in it. Okay, so does it follow the same girl from the first one, or is it a new girl? No. It This follows the story of the cat. Oh, so, okay. so the first, so the first installment, it was kind of like um, more so the 
the girl was telling the story of a cat as if he was imaginative and she was having dreams of him and everything. And then this one, the cat actually comes to life and is in the real world and brings this girl into the cat kingdom where she becomes a cat it's so trippy and fun and if you enjoy yeah yeah okay she saves so she's she saves the the cat prince and the father of the cat prince the king of cats decides to kidnap her so that she can marry his son <laughs> she has two friends who come along with her. It's the cat from the first one, and then the cat's friend, and then there's a crow that's involved as well. And they're trying to help her get back to the human world before she becomes a cat completely for the rest of her life. And it's just the most bizarre, but most beautiful and fantastic thing ever. It's one of my favorite um, Studio Ghibli films. I have films. to watch this. It's dubbed with Anne Hathaway, Carrie Ells, the guy from Prin- uh, Princess Bride, mm-hmm. Tim Curry, Judy Greer, mm-hmm. and Kristen Bell. What the heck? You see, again, if it, some, again, I'm not going to say that every actor from Hollywood is a good voice actor because that's just not true. Um, but yeah. I think that Disney dished out the money to at least have good voice directors there to coach them through yeah. this. Um, because, you know, some of them are pretty good. It's, it's also not easy to no. do. Because you have to no. not only match up with what they are saying, but portray the right emotion and give the right reaction. And it, it is very difficult. So to have these great actors and then, like you said, have these great directors, this is why these films are so fantastic. Whether you watch them with subtitles in the original audio or dubbed in it's English. It's just really impressive to me because, like, it was so smart for Studio Ghibli to partner with Disney I get that the fucking mm-hmm. House of Mouse is evil. It is. But as <laughs> from a business perspective, it was so important for them to get with Disney so that they could introduce themselves to Western audiences. Because I think otherwise, people wouldn't have taken them seriously. Because look yeah. at the way people talk about anime in your everyday life. You know, like, I understand that anime is becoming a lot more popular, a lot more mainstream. But, like, um, mm-hmm. I still know people in my I remember life, getting bullied yeah, for it when I was in middle school. I, I know someone, you know, now who was like, why do you watch that shit? Isn't it for kids? And I, and I was like, no, it's, like, not all of it's for kids. Just because it's animated doesn't mean it's, co- like, automatically for children. You know, like, they think yeah. that animation is only coded for kids, but it's not. And um, Ghibli was really smart to partner with Disney because even though they got, like, the kid audiences, they could also attract more adult audiences with the big names that they're bringing to it, right? Like, oh, mom mm-hmm. and dad know who you know, um, Tim Curry Tim is. Curry yeah. is. <laughs> mom yeah. and dad know who, you know, um, Claire Danes is. You know, mm-hmm. she was um, literally Princess Mononoke and Princess Mononoke. You know, so I, yeah. I think it's really, it, it sucks 
but it also doesn't <laughs> like it was mm-hmm. a very smart play and it's very interesting to see it play out like on paper to see how it really kind of like helped them for the better and i think that's why five of their films are in the top 10 highest grossing anime films of all time you know they have the best the mm-hmm. the king of marketing disney himself yeah you know, shoving this shit in people's faces. But luckily it wasn't bad. This is all so good. Because after the cat returns comes Howl's Moving Castle, which is like every girl's favorite dude. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you know that lightning in the bottle feeling you were telling me about? So Spirited Away was that for me, and then Howl's Moving Castle provide more of it for me. Okay, yeah. And, oh, I love Spirited I love Howl's Moving Castle so much. It's so good. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's, and it it just it <laughs> Go ahead. It's so hard not to like wanna talk I don't know. It you go ahead. It's hard not yes. to gush. It's really uh, The first thing that came but, to my head like, was the music. You know, and I'm gonna yeah, insert that t- here. It's all over TikTok. It's all over yeah. TikTok. I'm definitely gonna play that here for the audience, but like y- you guys know that song. It's just so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it- it's so indicative of the style of the film. Um, what's interesting about Howl's Moving Castle is that this is an adaptation of a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read the book. You did? Interesting. Please. Yeah. I- the book is a little harder to get through. It is, um, it's an older book, so it's written a little bit of a different style, but it is not too far off from what the movie uh, tells. The same, the same story, the same story, which is which is yeah. basically this girl. What's her name? Sophie, right? Sophie. Sophie. Uh, she is in a family of hat makers, right? And they all make hats. And mm-hmm. one day she ba- she meets Howell in like a cute little meet cute situation. Well, what, well, is this before so he, or after she meets the witch? This is this is before she meets. So the this witch. is before she's going to go see her sister who works at a bakery, and she is stopped by these two soldiers, men, whatever, and they harass her. You know how like, men are; so they harass gross. her. Like, Hayao Miyazaki is very aware that women get harassed in public on a daily, so he put it in his film. And here comes this very handsome young gentleman who happens to also be a wizard, and he flies her to her sister. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Disappears. (laughs) Toodaloo. Um, And throughout the entire movie, Sophie, she... What's the word I'm looking for? She refers to herself as very plain. She doesn't see herself as very pretty. And the whole story is that, like, don't trust Howl. He eats the hearts of pretty girls type of thing. Like, you you have to stay away from him because he's a wizard. And, like, (laughs) there's this whole war against the (laughs) wizards and witches and the rest of the world. It's weird. But, um... And then she she runs into the Witch of the Waste who steals her youth. Mm-hmm. And she becomes an old lady. 
and she goes out into the wasteland looking for her to break the spell and that's when Howell picks her up in his moving castle and she becomes friends with Turniphead and <laughs> Howell's apprentice and Calcifer who is voiced by Billy yes! Crystal and it's just such a magical journey that you are taken on because the house can take you to different countries and cities and places and it's just I knew incredible. I knew I was going to love Howl the moment I knew he was voice acted by Christian Bale. Because Christian <laughs> Bale is my one. The one. I, for me. I, I, my obsession <laughs> with this man is unhealthy. But I love him so much. And I found out that he voiced Howl and I was like, great, game set match. And... Right. When I started watching it, it was so much more than that. I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I I wasn't expecting this love story that came out of it. Yeah. I really liked, I, I really empathize with Sophie. I think every girl at some point in yeah. her life empathizes with Sophie, especially if you have friends or family members, like she has sisters who are louder or more outspoken than she is. More confident. More confident. And, you know, she just kind of is like, I'm here. She never sees herself as, like, a main character, especially compared to Howl, who is the biggest drama queen. Holy Oh, with the hair. She gives him the wrong hair dye, and it's like the world is ending, which I found If I can't be beautiful, then what am I living for? (laughs) Which is so funny, because he's so egotistical. Like, he's all about his looks, which is a uh, projection of insecurity, which you find, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he is beautiful, he is gorgeous, but he's also a very insecure and, like, flawed human being. Mm-hmm. And that's why he falls in love with Sophie because she sees more of him, like she sees more to him, and he sees he sees the beauty in her. He sees the beauty mm-hmm. of her, you know, which she doesn't see herself. Sometimes you need someone to give yeah. you a little reminder that like you're beautiful and you're worth it. And you know when Howell, voiced by Christian Bale, is the one wrapping himself around you to protect you. It's amazing, and I love it. Um, it's beautiful. It's fun. I I would put this as, like, my third favorite, if I'm, like, ranking the ones that I've seen. Um, I really okay. liked it. Did I like it more than Princess Mononoke? No. Did I like it more than um, Spirited Away? No. Did I like it more than Castle in the Sky? Yes. Did I like it more? You know what I mean? So, like, for me, it kind of sits yeah. in, like, the third. Okay. Because it is so charming, and the music is so I'm Still beautiful. winning a medal. Um, yeah, and it was also, I believe, nominated for an Academy Award that year. Yes, it was nominated for Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the 78th Academy Awards, but guess what it lost to? What did it lose to? <laughs> Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Oof. <laughs> Oof. That's a hard one to lose to. <laughs> uh, people really 
really love the Wallace I love, and Gromit. I love Wallace and Gromit. I love Chicken Run. <laughs> I love everything that studio puts out. But compared to Howl's Moving Castle, they should have taken the back seat for that one. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's also like, I, I think it made history because it was like the first... Com- no, it wasn't the first computer generated. But it was one of the first... Oh, the second... I don't know. There's something that it did that was pretty important <laughs> because it was, like, CGI, you know? And this is when we start no. getting into, like, CGI is now the future of animation versus is, yeah. is hand-drawn better, you know? And I think this is also where, like, this is relevant to Miyazaki because, like, in the documentary that I saw, he's very he's very torn between the two, right? Because he sees that it's so sad, really, Um it because is. he's like, he decides, he, he, he goes throughout this whole project, he makes this CGI short feature film, like 10 minutes, and you're only able to see it in the Ghibli Museum in Tokyo, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And it is a 10 minute movie that he did all CGI, but it was like, you can see that it was this really difficult process for him because he couldn't mm-hmm. make it exactly the way he wanted it to. He, he's very, like, possessive of his projects in that way, <laughs> of his work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he decides at the end of it, even though he completes it su- successfully and beautifully, mind you, I've seen clips of this animated film, and it doesn't even seem like CGI at all. The CGI was just kind of, like, used to help because they didn't have enough animators. And that's the struggle. He comes in at the end to uh, Suzuki, the other one, and he's like, Mm -hmm. I am going to do another... I'm going to come out of retirement only if we do hand-drawn only. I'm going to do it. And he storyboards it and everything. This was 2016. And he had retired in 2014. 2016, he was like, I will come back if it's all hand-drawn. And Suzuki looks at him and he says, where are we going to get the new people? Because he was like, I don't care if we have old people, if we have to hire new people. Let's hire new people, new talent. And he said, where are we going to get new talent? Nobody's yeah, working. Because no one's doing it Nobody's anymore. working in animation in that regard anymore. And that was like the That's moment so that like, broke my heart. Because you can just see the look on Miyazaki's face as he realizes that hand-drawn he he's is, outdated yeah, now he's dead it, it, like he's, that he can't produce even though he desperately wants to he can't make another film because he can't do it all hand-drawn yeah and i think it's really telling when you see the later things that ghibli's put out like we mentioned earwig and the witch um which was directed by miyazaki's son believe it or not goro uh miyazaki and his dad told him he loved it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I read oh. the interview. But also Miyazaki's an old man. And he's like, you did what you did. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's good. It's good. good. <laughs> it's not what I would put out, but it's good. <laughs> you know, because he really, at that point, is like, I, if, I, if I can't do all hand-drawn, I don't want it at all. Because... Yeah. After Howl's Moving Castle, I think you get to... This is where, like, the studio struggles, I think, in terms of, Mm -hmm. like, maintaining popularity with the public conscience. At least a Western audience. Yeah, well, you're also... You're going up against, like, Pixar and DreamWorks and... 
all of these people who have been perfecting the CGI mm-hmm. style. And unfortunately, the future doesn't always bring good things. I mean, uh, what's very fascinating about that whole CGI thing that he produced is that it really looks like it's animated by hand. And in fact, he even pencils over CGI so like mm-hmm. that there's this added depth to it. So like the CGI mm-hmm. serves as like the base for the animation, right? But mm-hmm. I guess he just wasn't ready to really fully relinquish control to computers because he says himself in the documentary, you know, computers can't animate or can't animate something with emotion, right? You know, yeah. like an anim- a computer may not be able to animate pain the way that someone who has experienced pain might be able to convey the emotion, right? Like, that that, yeah. that was his argument, to which, like, you could also argue, oh, well, like, there are animators who work behind the computer processes and whatever. And that's fine. Again, Miyazaki is, like, a 78-year-old man. And it's also really sad because you're watching the film and he keeps getting phone calls telling him that his friends have died. And he keeps telling Aww. the camera, he's like, why am I here? He's like, I wonder why I'm Aww. not dead yet. Like, and and oh. it was super poignant when he was like, if I'm going to animate another film, it has to be hand-drawn. Because you see him, and that was like his last desperate act to like animate a film. And I was like, it's not going to happen yeah. for you, homie. And he was like, fine, I'd rather just stay in retirement. And just yeah. wait for the Lord to take me <laughs> because he, he, uh, he, oh my gosh, I'm talking about this, you know, uh, documentary, but really in, in this one section, he finds out that his, um, color theory, his color design friend, um, had passed and she had founded, had been there with him from the beginning, you know, and color engineering mm-hmm. is a huge, color theory is huge, especially when it comes yeah. to animation. And he was like, I don't want to do the project without her. And he's just losing all of these people that he's created all of these masterworks with. So I know this sounds... You build relationships with those people. I just know it sounds really depressing. But, like, I think what we've put out, like, what we've said for what Studio Ghibli's released is what they're going to release, like, and that's it. And I look at this in the same way that I look at Satoshi Kon. Are you familiar with Satoshi Kon? He directed mm-hmm. and wrote um, Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfathers, Millennium Actress. Oh, okay. Please watch yeah, 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 those. Yeah. I would love to do a show with you about those two. I I've seen Tokyo Godfathers and Millennial Actress. He is one of my favorite. I get chills. Sorry, I literally just got chills talking about him because he's like one of those direction directors. Those visionaries were like. It doesn't work without him. And Miyazaki's mm-hmm. the same way. Even his fellow, you know, like, his co-founders have even recognized it. They've said, like, you know, if if Miyazaki isn't working on it or doesn't want to work on it, we're not doing it. Like, when he, yeah. when he retired, Studio Ghibli was suspended. Like, everybody was like, mm-hmm. okay, go home. Like, there's nothing for you to do. That's how integral he is to the studio. So the way I saw it was just kind of like accepting like, hey, that's the death of the studio because of the death of the medium. Not the death of the medium. It sounds so grim. But like hand-drawn, a fully hand-drawn animated film from start to finish 
is so rare. I don't think that there is an animated film, hand-drawn, even with hand-drawn aspects that have come out, including modern anime films that don't incorporate CGI in some form. Yeah. And I don't think that Miyazaki was able to overcome that obstacle mentally for himself. Yeah. And so I'm taking it that, like, this is it. This is their catalog of film. And, like, I'm okay because I saw Earwig and the Witch. And if that's what Studio Ghibli wants to do moving forward, I just don't think that's the right move. Yeah. Because Earwig and the Witch was also an adaptation of a book. It's actually by the same author who did Howl's Moving Castle. Um, Mm -hmm. They decided to adapt another one of her books. And it just was not successful for me. It felt like a CGI greatest hits, like evoking the feelings Mm. of Studio Ghibli without landing the feelings. Like, you know that you're supposed to be reminded of this, but instead you're thinking, well, I'd rather have that. Yeah. The CGI is also a little bit jarring at times. And also, the the movie was created on such a small shit budget. (laughs) Like... It looked like it was a small budget. It didn't look like they had a lot to work with. Yeah, they did not give that movie a lot of money. Um, and what money was given <laughs> probably went to the English voice cast, uh, which mm. was pointless, uh, because unlike other films, um, they weren't directed well. <laughs> so, like, you get that Kim Kardashian effect where they just sound out of place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just, like, mm, No. The other films on this list, maybe Ponyo, The Secret World of Arietti. The Wind Rises, I hear, is very beautiful, as well as Princess Kaguya. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, In The Wind Rises, I figured this out while I was stoned and watching this with my friends. (laughs) In The Wind Rises, the sound effects are all done by mouth. Every single sound effect you hear in that movie is done by mouth. So a fucking, like, plane sounds like... (laughs) It's the most... (laughs) It's the the strangest sensation listening to it. Like, we had to pause it and rewind it a few times to be like, is that really, like, someone just, like, making raspberries into a microphone? And it totally is. That's so impressive. It's so funny. That's insane. I did not know that. <laughs> I think uh, The Wind Rises is also another serious Ghibli film. It is. It's a, it's a serious it's a topic. autobiographical, not autobiographical, it's a biographical account of someone's life. Mm-hmm. I believe it's based on the biography of a certain aviation figurehead. Um, yeah. Yeah. When Marnie Was There was a good one, too, though. When Marnie Was There. I don't think I've seen that. That one... That one made me cry at the end. It It's just one of those stories that comes like full circle in the end and it kind of just like pieces everything together. Uh, but the music in that one is beautiful as well. And that was, um, that was voiced by, who's the girl who is in, um, she was in True Grit. Oh, Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld uh, voices the main character. Interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's still, there's plenty of Studio Ghibli films that I haven't seen yet that, you know, I really want to see, but I, the whole point of this conversation really was to kind of like, uh, really uh get our feelings out about this this studio and the works that they've created because they really are master class and they're unique and they're interesting mm-hmm. and they all have a very definitive point of view in each yeah. of their stories um if you haven't seen a studio ghibli film i highly encourage you at home to go watch one they're so worth it if Sarah and I's gushing over, you know, Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle hasn't convinced you, go look up a trailer. Um, that's kind of how I saw Castle in the Sky. I was like, what the hell is this one? I mean, because the cover <laughs> is just this girl falling, you know, and then I watched a trailer and I was like, this looks kind of interesting. Why not? And I promise you yeah. each adventure that you go on is worth it. Even even Japanese Winnie the Pooh. Yes. <laughs> even Japanese Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Alright, Sarah, any mm-hmm. any closing thoughts you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Um Hayao Miyazaki has touched a generation of people and has definitely done the thing where you're Name will live on, will pass the time you are gone, and he he will remain immortal for that. And I appreciate him, you know, making my childhood and getting me into Japanese animation and getting me into storytelling because he, he definitely is a big influence on me and my art and music and what it is I want to do in my life. So... Thank you, Hayao Miyazaki. (laughs) It's kind of hard not to get emotional talking about Ghibli films. And it's even funnier for me because, again, I didn't watch them until I was like 20-something. I think I was like 24 when I first saw a Ghibli film, which is insane. But it's really telling that even at like my age, I can still be touched and impacted by these stories so deeply that I am willing to dive headfirst into their entire catalog, good and bad. And the bad isn't even that bad, I promise you. It's jarring, to say the least, but it's like not the worst thing you'll ever see, I promise. Yeah. But for Miyazaki himself, for those of you at home, if you are familiar with Studio Ghibli and you've seen his films, his works, I highly encourage you to watch Never Ending Man on HBO Max. It's a very intimate portrayal of him and his work ethic, and I think you really start to understand how these masterpieces were able to be created, because if you have someone who's so passionate leading the helm, someone who's got such a clear vision of what they want and how it's going to translate on screen, that's how masterpieces are made. Because everyone else is inspired by that passion and driven by that passion. And they create amazing works. And Ghibli's catalog is just a testament to not only Miyazaki, but all of the animators and creators and collaborators who have worked and stepped foot in that studio. They really are a good representation for Japanese animation. And I hope more people get into anime because of them. There's so many stories to tell. 
Absolutely. So many, so many stories to tell and so many stories to hear. Well, Sarah, now that you're our new official co-host, you are now officially in charge with sending us off. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) this is you. This is your audition. No, I'm just kidding. Because you already got it, but let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure to follow us on Twitter so you can keep up with us. You can even make suggestions on what you think we should be watching reading playing listening to and maybe we'll even talk about it in one of our conversations um follow me on tiktok and instagram my name is su.hey.lah i make music i make cute little videos shannon your turn to plug yourself <laughs> i don't have a twitter anymore uh for the public but um the casuals only twitter is at casuals underscore only and I do stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cybershannon. So that, that's me. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And stay tuned for our next episode. Yay! 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 <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.